0: Good afternoon. Thank you for tuning in to Just the Facts. This is your host, Toshnika Bryant. Today with us, we have Mrs. Patricia Stamper, running for Advisory Neighborhood Commission anc 7 C 4 Patricia, welcome. We're so glad to have you here with us today. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Thank you, Tasha. So what I wanted to do is just allow people to get to know you a little more. And I just wanted you to tell our viewers who you are, what your platform is, and the office that you're seeking.
1: Well, as you said, my name is Patricia Stamper. My full legal name is Patricia Anduha Stamper. Um, I grew up um, in Compton, California. Um, currently, I live in Washington, D.C. with my family, with my husband and my two children. Um, I'm alumnus of... LA Venice Academy, Columbia Union, which is now Washington Adventist University, and Stray University. Um, I am seeking the Office of Advisory Neighborhood Commissioner, um, ANC, and the, the small single member district is 7C04. In Washington, D.C., you have your D.C. City Council, you have your Council Chairman, you have the Mayor. Um, you also have commissioners. These commissioners are the voice of every 2,000 people throughout the city, throughout every ward in Washington, DC. So I would be the elected voice and advocate on behalf of the Deanwood neighborhood. And I'm really, my platform for being the ANC commissioner representing and elevating my neighbors' voices is strength, advocacy, and leadership. There's strength in numbers. I'm really encouraging all residents to join the Deanwood Civic Association um, advocacy, I want to elevate the voices of residents who feel like their voice have not been heard by the DC Council member that represents our ward and by the DC Council as a whole. Also, um, heard and elevated to the mayor's office as well. Lastly, leadership. I believe Deanwood has lacked positive leadership for so long that. We need to take the moment to step back and say, am I doing this out of the kindness of my heart? Am I helping others? Have I been a blessing to someone? I feel like I bring a different brand of leadership to here to the Deanwood neighborhood. And I'm
0: just really looking forward to our interview, Ms. Tasha. Well, that's awesome. Um, It's great to hear um, what your vision and your plan is for your community. And I do definitely uh, look forward to seeing what you'll be putting forward um, should you be granted uh, to win the election. Um, So I wanted to move forward here and just wanted to know what really drives your passion for your community, for education what what drives that well um I graduated from Venice
1: Academy and the our mantra was Christian character builders I was um I was raised in foster care I was awarded ward of the state from the time from birth because my mother had a co- uh, come to find out she had a co- she was disabled she couldn't take care of me so I was in the care of the state of California um I was lucky enough to be placed in a family um Linda Monroe was my legal guardian. She raised me um, with Adventist education values, and she also helped so many people in a very quiet manner. Um, I received a lot of help from the Philadelphia Seventh-day Adventist Church. We had a very, um, our mantra was the Church of Brotherly Love. We helped any and everyone who expressed the need. And now that I live here in Washington, D.C. and I work for D.C. Public Schools, I see that there's such a need here. The children here in my neighborhood, in the residents, they need help. Instead of saying, oh, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, maybe they need boots and socks and things of that nature mm-hmm. to help them on their journey. So what drives mm-hmm. me and my passion for someone helped me I was helped by great people. A lot of women and men took the time out to say, you know what, Patricia, what's wrong? What do you need? There, there's something more here. You're very intelligent. Why are you acting out in this manner? So because of the educators and the mentors and all the people that had that p- placed their hand in my life and decided to give me a hand up rather than a hand out. It made me who I am today and it drives me to want to go out and help as many residents and their families as possible
0: here in the Deanwood community. So basically what you're saying is you um, learned at a very young age, how giving and a sense of service really makes a difference.
1: Yes. uh, Yes. um, I learned that very early. The woman who raised me, Linda Monroe, she Took me in. Um, initially, I was with her sister-in-law, Fairy Monroe Browner. However, her husband, Fairy's husband, was sexually abusing me. Therefore, when Fairy, uh, Fairy found out, she ended up getting she had a stroke and a heart attack. Um, Linda Monroe and the other her um, Fairies, her sister and brother-in-laws, went up to Palo Alto and moved Fairy to Compton. And then I started attending. Um, it was L.A. Union then. And I matriculated mm-hmm. on through um, LA Academy, and I also went to Orangeville, where we went to school together for a while. Then I went back mm-hmm. to LA Academy and graduated. But I always, it was always a sense of service. We went out. Linda, she took me to go feed the homeless. Um, I, she enrolled me. The state of California and every all the trauma that I experienced at a young age, that I was blessed to have some great social workers take care and be my guardian angel and my advocate in the court. Um, At a young age, um, they made me do an hour every week of therapy to talk through my feelings because I didn't talk for like two and a half years. And they was worried that that would be a developmental delay in my growth as a young child. So the state of California actually did a solid by me by making sure I had the mental health and the wraparound services to support me in a holistic point of view, rather than just say, oh, this child is a problem child. Let's just put her in this school in school suspension space and just leave her there. The educators and the administrators yeah. at LA Academy and at Orangewood, um, when I had to leave Orangewood, I, I talked to Ms. Rouse. She said we had never you needed the help that you needed orangewood could not give you needed to go back to your school because you were closer to the wraparound services that you had prior to coming to orangewood so i was always blessed and when i got to college um miss rouse's mom miss daria gatson was the registrar and i didn't even realize that i had so much help there i would have never graduated had it not been for dr francis And Dr. Garabatha, our psychology Mm -hmm. and history department, respectively, I've always didn't even realize that I had so many guardian angels around me that it's like, wow, I've been walking in this purpose. And I kept asking God, what am I supposed to do with my life? You know, I, I have all these, you know, my teacher would say, oh, you're really good at all these things. I remember Miss Lee. Miss. I, I still know all my teachers' names. Like, I could tell you I have a very good memory for certain things, especially just reading. That's what saved my life I or I, I protected me from things that could have been worse. I feel like God put me through this fire to create me for what purpose I'm going to walk into, if that makes sense. Because I really believe my part oh, makes
0: perfect sense
1: to be that I'm in DC. Um, I really believe I'm kind of like I wouldn't say Esther, kind of Joseph's space, but Adventist education is near and dear to me really, education, period, and owning being able to pass down generational wealth. Uh, there, DuPont Park mm-hmm. Seven Day Adventist Church and Seventh Adventist Academy sits here in Ward Seven in the ward that I live in, and my biggest fear is that they'll try to declare eminent domain the city and take that land and build say another high school, or whatever over there, because I've seen Golden Gate Academy have that happen to up North in Northern California. I've seen a, a North Eastern mm-hmm. Academy that happened to, I've watched that happen to Linwood Adventist Academy. You know, I feel like the us not studying our history and doing better business practices as an Adventist church kind of lost the generational wealth um co- black conferences even white conferences could have had had we maintained our land and not sold it. Um just I know I'm probably going off but a little tidbit about Tacoma Park. <laughs> the, the, the whole the Tacoma Park was owned by the Seventh Adventist Church. All of it but they kept selling to Tacoma Park and Tacoma Park does not sell back. They'll rent, they'll lease, but they won't sell back. So I feel like if we had a better Um, understanding of education, housing, and healthcare in our community and work from those three mantras out, I feel like we will address those same issues we had when we were freed as slaves of education, healthcare, and housing. So Mm. I really wish people would say, sit and take the time to look at their local politics because the local politicians really shape what will influence your day-to-day. And especially Most the people, they just said there, you know, I, I want people to be informed. I want people to know the candidates positions. I want them to even meet the candidates. I, um, in conjunction with the community of Hope Seventh-day Adventist Church, we're planning an event for October 17th from 3 to 5.30. It's a walkthrough, drive-through um, distribution of items, pampers, Q-tips, PPE items, food, clothes. Um, we encourage people to wear masks. And, you know, socially distance, stay six feet apart and stay together if they're a family to stay together and just come through and pick up the items. It'll be right here at the 4900 block of Just Street Northeast. But the biggest thing here in D.C., people forgot who Marion Barry was. Marion Barry, the former mayor here in D.C., he sat in one of the first lunch counter protests. He was at Fisk University. After that, he dropped out and came to D.C., because he realized his people needed policy and rules to change the game to actually influence the next generation. So with that being That's said, true. they say, oh, all the generational wealth trickled into Prince George's County, Maryland, because the Black folks couldn't afford to live in a city. You priced us out. You redlined it, gentrified, and pushed us out. Here in the Deanwood community, we don't want that to that same pattern that... We don't want that to happen here. Deanwood has always been a very self-sufficient community. We, even if Wilson, the powers that be in the Wilson building, they act like things for us, then they'll misappropriate, I wouldn't even say misappropriate, they'll reallocate funds mid-year, even though they'll say, oh, we've given you 1.3 million for esports gaming here at the Deanwood Recreation Center. Next thing you know, mid-budget year, that money's gone. There's a history of stealing intellectual, so it sounds- intellectual property from residents here in Deanwood. And I don't think that's fair, but I also know my, one wise woman told me what someone won't do for you. You can go to someone else to probably get it better. If not for
0: cheaper, you sometimes you just got to shop around. Yeah. That's, that's, that's very true. That's very true. So it, it definitely sounds like um, education is something that's near and dear to you. So I, I know that you mentioned that you are a, a mother. So I just wanted to understand, um, as a mother and an educator, what do you feel would be the best form of recalibration of education pertaining to the new normal that we're living in now?
1: Well, the first thing with the a new normal I believe we need to reset our expectations of our learners, even of my of my son, for example. Um, when COVID took place, he was getting mm-hmm. ready to start the transition to kindergarten. Um, he was very devastated. that couldn't happen. It, it changed on a like one day he was in school, the next day he wasn't. I believe that all teachers, if they're certified to loop with their kids to the next grade, they need to. They should have looped. I know at my school was offered that loop. So basically, if I taught this child in pre K three, I would be a pre K four teacher now, follow my kids ahead. So they're asking if we'll be willing to loop maybe one or two years, if not more. But depending on certification, you know, depending on how high the teacher is certified or whatnot, depending on how far they can go. But I feel like here in DC, we need to do that. Every school should have done that. That's step one. Two, we need, just how we have affordable housing and lights and water, they're not cutting off water, they're not trying to evict people supposedly, we need paid for internet that actually works in all eight wards. They need Just giving a child a device is not enough. What if they don't have capable internet? What if the internet is not strong enough to accommodate the bandwidth for the two parents or the one parent that's working and the four kids or maybe up to eight kids in the household at a time that's all on the device. We need to look at how we do education. I believe the educational, the the old school, old way of thinking is gone because the pod concept can work and the hybrid pod model could work, but you would have to have a social structure that would change the working hours of parents or give parents stipends to pay someone to help care for their children. I know I'm supporting uh, Mr. Valentine, who's running for State Board of Education at large. And one of the things he is saying, his biggest thing is fully funded futures. If it's not in the budget, the city isn't doing it. Then you got to make sure they don't move the money. However, by giving, say, for instance, if you live nearby and I say Ah, uh, picked up your kids and you picked them up. We quote unquote shared a person like na- people sh- nanny shared, they ought to transition the kids. Or why should wa- moms that have full time jobs have to stay home with the kids? It's almost as if you're trying to stunt a generation of women that are trying to go out into and, and say, you know what? I don't have to just stay home and take care of kids. I can work and take care of my children. So I feel like the whole idea how. Mm-hmm
0: change mm-hmm. and as a result it's going to so i want to i want to i want to back off 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 of that because you kind of transitioned directly into my next question that i was going to ask you um being a working mother with children in school during this global pandemic how, like, do you feel it's time for a societal shift of the expectations that are placed upon yes. women?
1: Yes, Um it's it's a lot. I know there's some women that gave birth during the pandemic that returned off of work leave um, from having a baby that are now back to teaching. They're not in the classroom, they're teaching virtually and juggling having a new baby. Um, one lady I went to school name was Jada. Her maiden name is Jada Richardson. She just had a, a, a new baby. Uh, Tania just had a new baby. These are all people I went to undergrad with, yet they're still managing, mm-hmm. taking care of their children and still holding their job and taking care of their, their whatever the mm-hmm. household thing needs may be. I don't think as a people we sat down and looked at who this. CoVID 19 is really affecting It's effect to me, it's affecting how you we see women and how we see each other. And Dr. Garbotham, my psychology professor at Columbia Union, always said, empathy will take you a long way, Patricia. And by that, you know <laughs> being able to empathize with people and say, "Wow, you know, I didn't see it, I didn't see it that way. I didn't look at it like that. I think we need to be more empathetic mm-hmm. to women because a lot if I told people everything that I did before I got in front of the camera or in front of my laptop when school started they would be in awe. They're like, "Oh, wow, you did all that. Oh, wow." Hmm. But men, you know, they oh, they pay men if you if you look at the stats, they pay men more to do the same thing that women do. And I don't think there's Mm-hmm. equity in pay and there's not equity and expectation right now teachers are sitting at home on this sunday teachers and staff anyone that works for dc public schools basically we're supposed to fill out a survey before midnight to say if we're going to return how we want if we can return virtually uh, submit documents to say oh well you're requesting leave because you don't want to return it's almost like we're being forced into an experiment but yet we take care of we have our own children we're not just the stakeholders and servants of the educational next generation community, but we have our own families. Like I have a husband, I have two sons. I would like to be able to see them and be okay. I don't wanna worry about my health and be paranoid at work. Um, I, it's very frustrating to see that the, some of these schools that are saying they're reopening, oh, it's just this, oh, you should just trust us. Trust you. Really? But I couldn't even trust you to come take out the trash on a regular basis or sanitize the room or sweep or vacuum carpets. But you want me to trust you with actually making sure this HVAC system is up to date, that these windows actually open for ventilation? You want me to trust you?
0: Mm -hmm. No. (laughs) So... So i i definitely i definitely hear what what you're saying. It's 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 difficult to uh, trust a system that um, at times seems broken, and especially when you're watching TV and hearing of teachers that are succumbing to the virus, uh, even with uh, all of these metrics in in place. So i i, I wanted to know with Um, education, having had to have a complete overhaul that we've uh, discussed uh, earlier in in the the interview, um, in the face of COVID, do you feel that working families um, in particular are being left behind the curve? I I know you kind of touched on it with the, the bandwidth and things like that. Can you expound further? So, working
1: families are being left behind in the sense that for instance, how am how is how is a working family say for instance say they have four kids. These four children is an eighth grader, a fourth grader, a kindergarten, and a pre-K kid. Four kids. Let's say you only have let's say in a typical household in D.C. There's usually only one parent. So now you have four kids, one parent. Now if this is a working parent, that means that mom has mom or dad has to work outside of the home. You have three, four kids that all, that. what if they all don't have devices? What if the internet strong, not strong enough from the all beyond? What if now you're making that older child be a parent for the other ones? How is that fair to that those children or that mom? Why can't this city provide a safe space
0: mm-hmm.
1: outdoor or a hub for those children to go to, to be safe during the day, then go back home when that mother comes home? Or Provide some type of stipend for a community-based organization to provide a pod or some service, educational tutoring service for these children, some supports. I believe in each ward and each commission here in D.C., we need to create our own hubs. Because if you look at the model, we kind of already have it. For the advisory neighborhood commissions, every 2,000 people, there's an ANC commissioner. So if you divide that up, depending on the school age, kids in an area, you can create pods in those areas. But you would need the support and the collaboration of D.C. public schools. So we don't know where all these children are. They may or may not though because enrollment's low. People's phones got cut off. People couldn't afford to pay things. So literally you have to go knock on the door to see if these people, the families are there. So I feel like working families are being left behind because of housing instabilities. There's people that are renewing their housing vouchers right now. And the landlords and the leasing agents are getting them to sign things to basically sign away their rights to being evicted when the moratorium is up. People, so my thing is, you're protecting the landlord, but not the residents. You're protecting businesses they have they're the giving either they're giving restaurants money for outdoor seating here in DC for the restaurants when you think they would give DC public schools for every school to have outdoor spaces for or if they're giving money to all the restaurants or any restaurants that apply brick and mortar restaurants, why can't you give that same content or money to the brick and mortar schools that you say is is improving and is gonna reopen strong. Why can't you take that same model, that same energy, and put it in like I said before, the same issues, education, housing, and healthcare, the same issues that plagued us when we were freed as slaves and emancipated, first slaves were emancipated here in DC, because we were part of a social experiment then, cause Lincoln said, hmm, if I test it out on these slave owners here as my congressmen and senators and free their slave and pay them for their laws then maybe everyone else will be cool with it, too. Hmm. No, we're not. I'm not cool with it. Why can't you hmm, paint? Why so- can't that same concept? You do outdoor school and you make sure you fortify outdoor classrooms. That would, to me, would make you have you have all these MPD officers getting overtime for protests. if uh, Doing their First Amendment right protest, take that same energy and protect the kids in the outdoor spaces in, in east of the river and north of the park as they learn outside, but no, nah, they don't. They don't want to do that. That's not even a discussion at the moment.
0: So, if if I'm understanding you correctly, then you would be stating that you feel that working families are lacking in um, equal resources yes. and support. That yes, there is more support from
1: the district government for businesses, small business owners, and landlords than it is for renters. Um, homeowners have some advantages. Um, teachers still only get to deduct for next tax season $250 for classroom, and s- classroom supplies and things that they bought. But there are teachers that spent oh, thousands of dollars this year wow. to work from home. And right now they're like, well, the school building was open. You could have worked from the building. What? But I don't, what? <laughs> that I don't see how that's even feasible and you have a president that's only paying $750 in taxes what what (laughs) what is this this is this is not adequate it seems like the middle class is paying the burden for the wealthy and they should be distributing the wealth but then someone would tell me oh that's a socialist communist concept what I earned is mine therefore why should I have any empathy and share what I have with you and I feel like that Concept is that lack of empathy mm-hmm. is lacking in our society.
0: Right, right, most most definitely. So I I, I know that you outlined some things like um, having uh, pods and um, allocating proper funds for the for the school district that mirrors what they're willing to do for the restaurant um, industry. Um, how how else do you suppose that we actually fill the gap between um, those that are higher income bracket versus those that are lower in well, income I'll bracket? Well, I'll give you an example of
1: a suggested um, concept. For instance, the PTOs usually on Capitol Hill in Ward 6, say 6 through 1, have a little more money than 7 and 8. So why can't all PTOs, PTAs pull their resources Mm -hmm. together and then reallocate the pool resources back to the schools? So if one school may need more financial assistance to get a program or say laundry services in the schools, they put washers and dryers and places for kids to come and get their hair done. Because at minor elementary school, we have a high homeless special ed population. So why can't all these resources, around services be right there? Mm-hmm. Why can't every school, if they need it, have this concept, one-stop shopping? You get every, all your needs at this space, but at the same time, why can't you take that same concept and put it on wheels? I've seen a lot of business owners have barbershops in the back of vans. I've seen them uh, barbershops in the back of mobile um, vans because of COVID, we're looking at things from, are they airborne? Are there aerosols in the air? Okay, fine. That's understandable. Why can't we take, you know, they have, they're making container homes. I suggested this on Twitter. I said, or on some social media site, I said, why can't we take all these empty containers that's sitting down at the port and retrofit them to be mobile classrooms in our east of the river communities that have gun violence? If you treat it treated gun violence like the public health nuisance that it is, and not just say it's Black-on-Black crime, because we disproportionately are redlining out of areas that have better homes as a lack of generational wealth to be able to buy into these communities. Our schools don't have the funding that it needs. We don't have the property tax dollars in those communities from the houses that are there. Therefore, the schools are lacking. Even when you go on Zillow, they'll tell you the, the rating of schools in that area based on the star rating that they put in place here in DC. So you're telling me this one star school, like my child is not a one, you, you mm-hmm. don't never, I would never say any of my children are one star children. But my child came home. He doesn't go to school in ward seven. He goes to school in ward five. And he came home one day. He said, mommy, my school's a three-star school. I'm better than that other school. They're only a one or two star. We're three star. I'm like, who said that? And said so we had we had a sibling. We're a three-star school. We're awesome. We're smart. We're curious, confident learners. I said, "Well, but you, you can't can't put someone else down just because they're not you." He says, "I know, mommy, but it was just a chant." So then he walked off. But in that moment, I'm like, "Wow, you're teaching my child to be almost an elitist just because he's given this label." And I'm like, "That's not right." No. Right. <laughs> No. So, I believe we, we really need to look at yeah. how educate, like this brick and mortar space that is a, a school or a building. Why can't it be on wheels? They have RVs on wheels that are decked out. Why can't you make that same concept into a classroom? They bring in, um, they, uh, was it MedStar Washington or Medical Center? They all come to Kelly Miller, it's a local school here near uh, where I live. They do vaccinations out in public. My last Saturday, my kids and I we went and got our COVID testing. We found out we we're negative as a Thursday, but it was free. Um, I was paying when I was pregnant with my last child about six hundred dollars a month just for family health insurance. Um, and then because I was a high risk pregnancy. Every time I go to the doctor, wow. I was running like a hundred to one hundred fifty dollars worth of copay. But then I changed from my employee health insurance to the AmeriHealth Health Care DC, which is the Medicaid Medicare here in DC, based on my income and my family's income. I didn't have to pay anything. I'm still paying on my oldest son's in you stay after he gave after he was born. And he turned five this past July. So I <laughs> just to give you a little wow. insight. <laughs> yeah, I pay that dollars a month. That's and, unbelievable. You know, once he's
0: seven, hopefully he'll drop That's off. That's unbelievable. <laughs> right right so um what i wanted to do with this um last question here is i just wanted you to explain to our viewers why you're why you're running and why you feel you I'm should earn their, their vote. i believe sh- there's strength in
1: numbers i really believe that you're only as strong as your weakest player in the in a team concept The Deanwood Civic Association is one of the oldest civic associations here in the city. The more people join this, the more voices the more voices, power financial and intellectual power you'll have to advocate on your behalf. And we're stronger together. Advocacy. My thing is I want to elevate your voice. There's residents that want more speed bumps. They want a safer community. They want to drive like our kids live here. We don't want people to come in our communities, even if it's a DC government vehicle. If we, if this is a one-way street, you need to drive the right way. We need to have a better relationship with MPD. Um, I believe that we need to have a little more empathy. I know some people may say, oh, we just need to defund the police. No, I think we need to reallocate and recalibrate the resources that they have. Um, Metropolitan police officers should not be responding to an event where a, a, a woman is having a mental crisis. I believe if they are going to respond, they should respond, respond with a social worker and a mental health professional in order to get that person the help that they need. For example, um, I helped a young man. His name was Lola. He's a transgender male that is in my community. He I see him around at the 7-Eleven, opening the door, asking soliciting people for money. I saw teenagers accost him. Um, He came. Um, I helped him get some things that he closed. They took his things. My neighbor helped them. That was a Thursday night. Friday morning after my workout, I saw him on my porch, knocked out sleep. My plumber needed to come in to fix the sink. He couldn't. I called MPD to try to uh, motivate him to move because I couldn't enter my home. Um, Lola then proceeded to curse me out because I didn't. Help him. Come to find out that young that 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 man is banned from every shelter here in DC. So how can as a community re-reach him and help him and pull him up, maybe not by his bootstraps, but give him a hand up in life where Mm -hmm. he needs it? I don't know, but I do know that I want to help individuals like him because sex workers, sex trafficking, people that are soliciting and prostituting here around our neighborhood is an issue. Um I want to advocate to the people at MPD, to our council member Gray's office for Ward 7 and the at-large council members that Deanwood don't overlook us just because of one person that may be a part of Black Lives Matter DC as a core organizer. Just because their view, that's their view and that's their opinion, that shouldn't be indicative of every resident here in Deanwood. What's happening is since person that holds this um, position. Ran for city council. He also is a core organizer for Black Lives Matter D.C. I believe because of his, his relationship with MPD, MPD doesn't take a more proactive approach. That way they respond to things in Adams Morgan is not how they respond to the same thing here in Deanwood. I believe it's because of the current commissioner now and how he amplifies and bring media into a situation when it's not needed. If you're going to help someone, if you're going to really, truly help a community, you don't need cameras. You don't need a microphone to do it. Just do it. God will bless you. God will see what you do. I, As a community, I feel like we need to do a better job of helping one another. We need to say, you know what? If you need help, I'm here. Or here's this community resource. Here's this, here's this community-based organization that can give you the mental health services that we need. Because... I know. Uh, just to give it a movie analogy, you remember the the black the bad Black Panther Killmonger. He literally, in order to feel the love of his community, feel mm-hmm. that someone cared, mm-hmm. he had to burn. He wanted to burn Wakanda down. With that same concept, I believe that my opponent. Right. I believe the difference between him and I is that I want to nurture, advocate, and grow our community from within. I feel like we need to heal. From the things that happened, what's happened and move forward. We have to move forward. Rather it being getting going around the Wilson building, around and getting a community-based organization to give us the financial and money to do the projects that we want here in Deanwood to invest in our community to be able to buy our land and own our homes here in Deanwood. With that being said, I that is my goal. Mm-hmm. To that that that's it. I just I want to help people. I wanna strengthen this community i want to advocate and i want to provide positive leadership and my hope is that everyone has been starting yeah. to get their mail-in ballots they're um, filling them out make sure you sign it and if you're an anc 7 co4 here in deanwood that you vote for me my name is patricia stamper
0: Well, Patricia, we thank you for coming by and sharing your platform and your vision for your community. And we hope uh, this is the first of many interviews we'll be able to conduct with you. And we wish you much success as you move forward uh, with your campaign. So thank you for stopping by. This is uh, Toshnika Bryant for Just the Facts.